0: Hi everyone, and welcome to the global breast cancer event. It's truly an honor to be here with each of you today. Thank you to all of our speakers and thank you to all of our sponsors and thank you all for being with us today. And at this time, I welcome our co-host, Ragnes Zanikas. She's the CEO and founder of World Woman Conference and Awards. Welcome, Ragni. Thank you,
1: G- Gigi true pleasure and honor to be here with all the survivals (laughs) so uh it it feels the room feels so energetic and i think that, that today we're going to hear absolutely incredible stories so looking forward to to hear each one of the stories likewise my
0: friend and now at this time i welcome our first speaker and her name is erin Erin Relan and and she's a certified disordered eating anxiety trauma and mental health coach breathwork facilitator and NLP practitioner. Welcome Aaron.
2: Hi, hello again. Um I'm so like the last time when we were talking I was on the eating disorder um you know talk and it's crazy because I never would have thought okay, I got over the eating disorder recovered and then you know my happy little way and then all of a sudden you no know, breast cancer um, came up and I was diagnosed in February of this year uh, with uh, invasive lobular carcinoma and so uh, as soon as I was diagnosed I was I, I was for me I'm very like I did it as fast as I could I could, del- I did not want to wait. As soon as they said, we see something, we see two, two small, you know, masses. I said, okay, I want, you know, I was very, um, what I think is so important is to advocate for yourself. I straight up was like, okay, I, I'd like the ultrasound. Oh, and don't even, we could just do the biopsy at the same time. Uh, I'll just, you know, we don't need to come back for me. That was how I kind of dealt with it because for, for how I felt was it, if i know then i can choose how i want to go about treatment or what are my you know what are my options so when i was and they did the you know they did the biopsy and it was cancer and when they came back and told me that uh within one month of being diagnosed i chose to have double mastectomy or bilateral mastectomy uh and reconstruction surgery at the same time like I'm just like for put it all in at once let's just do this and I know so I had some people say to me like why aren't what you know that seems very like you know drastic or radical and I said to each of their own I wanted for me I want to live I'm a single mom a 15 year old son and the thought of leaving him is was just it was thinking of him um, and I knew that I personally, my breasts were not, I didn't need them. They were too small for me to, to be causing this much problem. And so I kind of have taken the more of humor in a lot of this because uh, I think that for, you know, it can be such, it can be so overwhelming. And I I was like, I'm 43. I'm being diagnosed with breast cancer. Uh, okay. What do I do with this? So I went down this road of extreme back to back to back. Let's get this done. And so I've now have had what's well, only been like seven months. Uh, if I can do the math, right? It's only been like seven months, but I've had two surgeries since that. As soon as I could have another surgery, I went, did. Uh, and it didn't spread to my lymph nodes, it didn't spread anywhere. So I was not taking any chances because the type of cancer I had um, was aggressive, you know, and it already made little friends, as I like to say, because there was multiple places in my breast. And so I chose, like, for me, there was no question in my mind, but also, Afterwards is where things kind of got, um, it's been hard. There's been days where I'm like, what is, why do I feel so exhausted? Or why, uh, why am I not doing something? And so I'm working right now because it's still so new to me of being diagnosed and going through this, of allowing myself grace. And so right now it's the more I'm able to give myself grace, and understanding and being okay if I'm tired uh, and not always feeling like I have to do everything. It's taken a lot off of me. And and I'm, the more I, I also learn about just breast cancer in general, that there's so many avenues. People have like reached out to me from different organizations that I've called. They've sent me care packages. It's such an amazing community. That is so, uh, loving. And I didn't know you could have, you know, so much support without even asking for it really. And that's kind of what I needed. It has been, uh, amazing. And I want to pay that forward. Uh, just like I have with my eating disorder, recovering from that and paying that forward is I, I want to pay this forward with breast cancer and, awareness and saying you know i'm 43 i was young you know uh to have breast cancer and if i had not if i had waited or if i had kind of didn't go to that mammogram if i put it off like i put off a lot of things it could have been a different story a year later and so i just can't stress enough to like anybody it's i know it's scary like it's scary to think about I may have breast cancer, but for me, I can just tell you like me going and getting that MRI, getting all of that stuff, like saved my life. I would not be here like next year because the tumors were already spreading. And so I am so grateful that I get to be there for my son. It has been hard. Um, having a, don't mean both your breasts removed. It's like a major surgery. It's a major, major surgery. It's also uh, given me a chance to to get back into my own body, and so that's been a really interesting kind of um, journey I'm on with that as well. Is being okay with these new boobs. My spatial awareness. I'm not gonna lie. It's it's off. You know. I try to be like I just try to find silver linings in all of this. And uh, my mom had breast cancer. She survived. I had breast cancer. I survived. Uh, And I know early detection is everything. And to like literally advocate for yourself, push, push, push. You don't, if something's not right, it's not right. And everybody deserves to be able to, to get mammograms or all the different things. They may find you annoying, the doctors, whatever. But you know what? Who cares? who cares uh i did i i don't know where i'd be without my doctors i'm so grateful because they were like okay you want to do this they didn't try to talk me out of it uh saying i was being so radical in my approach so i'm grateful to have that support and also my family um people my best friend um it's so uh i i just don't know where i would be you know now uh, without all of them, because, you know, it's still, I'm still new to all of this. Um, I'm sure I'll have way more emotions. Things are going to still come up. So in saying that, uh, I'm newly diagnosed yet. I feel like I've probably been through, you know, I've done a lot more than most people will do, but that's okay. I'm totally okay with that. Uh, I just hope that maybe somehow, somewhere, someone hears this and is like, okay, it's okay to do what you feel is, is right for your, for your own body, for your own, for your own health. So, but thank you so much. I'm really grateful to be here. Glad to be alive um, and for everybody. So thank you so, so much. Thank you, Gigi.
0: Thank you, Aaron. Very powerful. Now, our next speaker is Shandra Gore. She's an ordained minister of the Gospel of Jesus Christ, a firm prophetess, talk show host on the Encouraging Yourself series, live Facebook, YouTube host of Thursday Night at Eight with Lens of Faith, live on Facebook, YouTube. She's a servant leader, strategist, destiny catalyst, international speaker, motivational coach, trainer, ghostwriter, number one Amazon best-selling author. And Lens of Faith speaks, Lens of Faith speaks coaching and consulting. Welcome, Chandra.
3: Wow. Thank you so much, Gigi, for having me on tonight. And um, thank you to each and every one of you who have survived breast cancer. My story is a little bit different. Um, I was able to walk side by side with one of my best friends who ultimately passed away from breast cancer. I saw a different world. I saw a different perspective. I saw a different view that I've never ever seen before. This particular disease shook me to my core, and I didn't even have it. But I walked alongside of someone that did have it, bringing myself forward in life from 2016 to 2021. I. Found the lump in my left breast, myself, while taking a shower. I went to the doctor and I explained to the doctor that I had found this lump. Something was there. And they told me, well, the first thing we have to do is um, do your mammogram. I had never had a mammogram because I was only 36 years old at the time of the discovery. So there was no requirement for me to have a mammogram. They said that because I was in the military, I needed to wait until I was at least 40 years old and I'm only 41. So I had to wait till I was at least 40 years old to have a mammogram. And so had I waited for that mammogram, had I never did that breast exam, I don't know what would have happened. But thanks to God that I was able to go in and let the doctor know what I found. And the doctor told me we had to do the mammogram, then we needed to do a biopsy. I remember walking in to one of my friend's offices at work in the military saying to her, I need you to go with me. And she looked up at me and she says, I'll go with you. I went to her because she is a three time breast cancer survivor. She survived breast cancer three times and she was still strong. She was still able to encourage me. She was still able to uplift me and motivate me in that moment of me not knowing what I was about to face. So I made the appointment. She went to the appointment with me and held my hand the entire time. Waiting for those results was like, I don't know, it felt like years But in fact, it was just days. I had the biopsy and I was continuing to wait. But one thing the doctor came in and told me while I was waiting was that I don't believe that this is cancer, but I cannot tell you for sure until we get the results back. So Me being a woman of God, a faith-filled woman of God, I began to pray. I began to pray and I began to intercede on my own behalf in the moment while holding the hand of my dear friend who survived breast cancer three times, knowing that my best friend had passed away of breast cancer. And these are the words that I began to say. I eventually wrote them down and they became a poem. And what I began to utter is, you are not alone. From the moment you found a sign to the initial doctor's visit, you are not alone. From the doctor's office to my car, you are not alone. From the longest walk from the car to the doorstep, As I replayed the diagnosis in my head or what I thought was gonna be a diagnosis, I thought to myself, you are not alone. From the door to the bedroom, as I began to curl up in a ball waiting for the phone to ring, I began to think, Chandra, you are not alone. As I began to think about all the people I needed to call and tell, began to think you are not alone. And so as I got that phone call that says, Chandra, it's benign. I began to rejoice in my spirit, but the story goes on for a lot of people. And so I said, Chandra, this form isn't finished because now you have to encourage somebody else because they are not alone. From the treatment plan, that may include uh, surgery, chemotherapy, and radiation, hormonal therapy, and more therapies, you are not alone. As your treatment begins, as you sit silently waiting for the medication to run through the machine into your body, I wanna remind you that you are not alone. As you finish your treatment, you are not alone as you recover and you encounter other people as you pass them on the elevator Hmm. as you walk down the hall as you get in your car and go home feeling like you're alone i want to remind you that you are not alone there are so many things that you're going to encounter from no appetite to being hungry, to being sad, to feeling depressed, to feeling confused, I wanna remind you that you are not alone. From the calls that's gonna come in and say, I'm so sorry that you have to go through this, from the flowers, to the cards, to the candy, I want you to know that you are not alone. From the ball head, to the wigs, to the I don't care phase of your life, as you navigate this tumultuous uh, environment, diagnoses, disease, I want you to know that you are not alone. I want to remind you that God is with you always. He'll never leave you nor forsake you. He's an ever-present help in a time of trouble. And you are not Alone. God bless.
4: Diti, you're muted.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say I think you're muted. <laughs> Thank, I don't know how much you heard. So I'm just going to backtrack here and say, Chandra, thank you so much. Thank you. We we truly appreciate you. And 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 again, such a powerful statement that you said there, you are not alone. And I'll say it again, you are not alone. And I know a few of you are joining us here on, on the back end. And a few of you are joining us on social media. If you heard that today, Chandra Gore said, you are not alone. Make sure to write that down. You are not alone. Thank you, Chandra. And, Again, we stand with you, Chandra. Thank you. Now, our next speaker is CJ Grace. She's a former BBC journalist. CJ Grace is the author of the humorous self-help book, Adulter's Wife, How to Thrive, Whether You Stay or Not, an international bestseller. Now, when Arianna Huffington received a copy, she invited CJ to be a HuffPost contributor. CJ has written a second book, My Wild Ride, How to Thrive After Breast Cancer, and infidelity it was released october 22nd 2022 thank you cj welcome
5: and you're muted it's okay it happens you're still muted
0: seems to be a technical glitch today it muted me now cj
5: we
4: we are we are having on i'm having a chemo moment there not not having my uh microphone on. But anyway, so I was going to say at the very end of uh, at the very end of an interview I did about cancer for Fox News Radio, the host mentioned the name of my latest comic self-help memoir and did a double take. My de- guest today was CJ Grace, author of My Wild Ride, How to Thrive After Breast Cancer and Infidelity. Hmm, what's that all about? He remarked and he said, what does one have to do with the other? Well, you know, research and personal experience have shown me that there's a very strong connection in both directions. Breast cancer often follows or is followed by infidelity and marital breakup. How do I know? Well, I've lived it. You see, I was a journalist with the BBC in Britain and then I got a transfer to work for China Radio International in Beijing and there I had a fairy tale falling in love with an American. Our 25th wedding anniversary was the best one ever spent in Hawaii. Little did I know that just two years later, both my marriage and my health would be in tatters. My husband was openly carrying on an affair with a woman half his age, whom he refused to give up, and I was diagnosed with breast cancer. It was a double whammy that left me reeling. I'm a two-time breast cancer survivor with a mutated BRCA gene that makes me more susceptible to cancer but I didn't want to take on the cancer victim role. I wanted to be a victor rather than a victim. So how does infidelity lead to breast cancer? Finding out that your partner has been unfaithful creates a number of different kinds of stress. And numerous studies have shown that stress is a major cause of disease, in particular cancer. There's the emotional stress of feeling betrayed, which can be somewhat like a bereavement, as it's the death of your relationship as you knew it. Then there's the stress of potentially having to move out of your home. Then there's the financial stress of probably getting divorced when you have to split up all your assets. And all these factors create the stress of insecurity and feeling overwhelmed. In the research I did for my comedy self-help book, "Adulterer's Wife, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not, that was published in 2016, I came across several women who developed breast cancer shortly after discovering their husbands had been cheating. Now, what about breast cancer leading to infidelity and marital breakup? Well, when women go through cancer treatment, sex is often the last thing on their minds with their marriages becoming celibate. And this can lead to their husbands having extramarital affairs or leaving the marriage entirely. And sadly, research has shown that men are far more likely to cheat on and or dump wives with serious illness than the other way round. A 2001 study of more than 500 married patients led by Michael Glantz, who's a neuro-oncologist at the Barrow Neurological Institute in Phoenix. He showed that it showed that female cancer patients were at a considerably higher risk of marital problems and women with malignant brain cancers, for example, were eight times more likely to undergo separation or divorce than were men with brain tumors. And the rate for women diagnosed with systemic cancer was an astounding 12 times higher. And a follow-up study Michael Glantz published in 2009 showed even starker results. Does this happen because women are more equipped to take on the role of caregivers than our men? At least according to this study, the sicker and higher maintenance the patients, the more likely the husbands were to walk away, despite that in sickness and in health marriage vow. The results of this research correlated with personal stories I I heard about cancer and infidelity. So how did I deal with both breast cancer and an unfaithful husband? I developed a six part plan of action and you can read about it in detail on my website, cjauthor.com, but in a nutshell, it's about finding confidants and mentors with your best interests at heart, building a community of friends, old and new, Taking good care of your body, that means eating a healthy diet, getting enough sleep and exercising. And for me, outdoor exercise has always been the best antidepressant. And I was even doing it all the way through my cancer treatment, radiation and chemo. I still did all my exercise. The next point is finding your passion. That's a great thing to do. You find an activity that makes your heart sing, maybe art, music, writing or volunteering for a cause you believe in. Then there's laughter therapy. And lastly, my last point was trying to become more mindful. Living in the present is important because yesterday's gone, tomorrow is fiction until it happens, so now is all we have. And there were three mottos that I took to heart. Number one, after infidelity or betrayal of any kind, the best revenge is to get past the need for revenge. It's a toxic emotion. And I wanted to put my life energy into planning how to move forward rather than plotting vengeance. And when you're going through cancer treatment, the last thing you need is churning about revenge. You need to put your life energy into recovery and not revenge. Number two, information is power. Whether investigating treatment options or finding out about my rights as regards divorce, I embraced my inner anal journalist to be fully informed before making decisions. And number three, if you don't laugh, you'll cry. And I'd much rather laugh. So I tried to find absurd humor in every situation I was faced with. Well, I'm a humorist but also a traditionally trained journalist. So when I wrote my new self-help memoir, My Wild Ride: How to Thrive After Breast Cancer and Infidelity, it had to not only be funny but also well-researched and hard-hitting. So I bring up serious issues but there's always a humorous angle. Like the fact that right now in front of you, I am totally and utterly brawless. Why? One of the many books I read for my research was Dressed to Kill, The Link Between Breast Cancer and Bras. Great title. The authors present compelling evidence that the link between bras and breast cancer is stronger than that between smoking and lung cancer. Wow. Sadly, mainstream cancer groups haven't accepted this, pointing to just one study down in, done in 2014 that showed no link. But It only looked at postmenopausal women in whom, because of survival bias, the damaging effects of bras were much weaker, and it had no control group of women who didn't wear bras. That's like studying the link between smoking and cancer without including any non-smokers in your research. You might be interested to know that October 13th, which is coming up tomorrow, is International No Bra Day that was created to create in increased awareness of breast cancer, and encourage women to do se- regular self-exams and screenings. Well, I have to tell you, I celebrate No Bra Day 365 days a year. So here's my bra, and this is what I'm going to do with it. Throw it away. That's what I recommend that all of you do with your bras. Well, another point I want to bring up, in May 2013, movie star Angelina Jolie went public with news that she'd undergone a prophylactic double mastectomy based on a positive BRCA test. Maybe I'm biased, but my personal view is that her announcement did scare a lot of women into unnecessary surgeries. And I have to say some of my friends, and maybe my surgeon too, thought I was completely nuts to turn down mastectomies and go for lumpectomies both times I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I'm happy with my decision, but who knows, perhaps my tombstone will read, here lies CJ Grace because she refused to lop off her boobs. Breast reconstruction, however, though can cause all kinds of problems. And many women now choose to go flat after mastectomies as breast implant illness is very real. Nicole DeRuda's Facebook support group for breast implant illness to date has more than hundred and eighty thousand members, despite that's despite a biased new industry funded study that tries to imply a big factor is that women who complain about implant illness are just neurotic. Seriously, that study is so bad that it's good in a Monty Python kind of way. So when Angelina Jolie's BRCA gene story appeared in the press, I felt there should have been much more coverage of the ovarian cancer risks faced by those with BRCA gene mutations, rather than focusing only on breast cancer and prophylactic prophylactic mastectomies. Jolie's mother did get breast cancer, but she actually died from ovarian cancer. I was advised to have my ovaries removed, but I waited till after menopause to avoid being slammed into it artificially. I chose to have just the ovaries and fallopian tubes removed. That operation, for some reason, is known as an oophorectomy rather than the full hysterectomy that some BRCA gene carriers choose to undergo. I didn't feel that that operation was necessary for me, and I thought it might have more potential side effects. Breast cancer is the most common female cancer worldwide. In the United States and Britain, for example, one out of every eight women will be diagnosed with breast cancer in her lifetime. According to the American Cancer Society, the five-year survival statistics for early stage non-metastatic breast cancer are close to 100%. But that being said, cancer is always a crapshoot. I'm not a doctor, so I'd never want to tell someone else how they should deal with their cancer. But that didn't stop all kinds of people from bombarding me with unsolicited advice. Some insisted the chemo and radiation I underwent was toxic and wouldn't work. Others declared the alternative therapies I chose to do as well were pure quackery. Did I make the right decisions? All I can say is, to quote Monty Python, I'm not dead yet. So if I could wave a magic wand and make the cancer and infidelity never have happened, would I do it? You might be surprised to hear me say, no, I don't regret having gone through the experience, bleak and difficult though it was. Regret is not about the past, it's about the present. And I'm very happy with my life as it is now. And if I hadn't gone through the past exactly as it was, my here and now would be different. Both my wild ride, How to Thrive After Breast Cancer and Infidelity, and my first book, Adultra's Wife, How to Thrive Whether You Stay or Not, examine how to deal with adversity by using it as a catalyst to raise you up rather than be crushed. So my aim is to inspire ordinary people in extraordinary circumstances to find ways to make their lives fulfilling, however long or short their time on this earth might be. I'm CJ Grace, and you can visit my website, cjauthor.com, that's cjauthor.com, to access various resources to help you cope with breast cancer and infidelity, including two free PDFs. And my social media handle is cjgraceauthor. So that's how you find out more about me, and I hope you found my presentation useful today, and I would like to thank Gigi and her team for organizing this breast cancer conference and inviting me to be a speaker today. Thank you very much.
0: You're welcome. And and CJ, I, I received a copy of your books. So thank you so much. I appreciate you. And so for those of you that are not aware, the books are called Adulter's Wife, How to Thrive, Whether You Stay or Not. And then the second book is My Wild Ride, How to Thrive After Breast Cancer and Infidelity. I highly recommend both. Check those out. Thank you, CJ. Now, our next speaker is Whoopi, Whoopi, aka Lindy Elrich. Again, that's Wobby is your chief happiness officer and founder of Happiness Jungle, LLC. She's the number one international best-selling author, keynote speaker, breast cancer survivor, humorist, entrepreneur, co-brand partners with Les Brown, and Lindy is also the creator, producer, TV personality of the four-year running Happiness Jungle TV show. She's also the host of I'm Crazy, But You Can't Lock Me Up podcast. I love it. And the creator of the Happiness Jungle, Emotional Support Body Pillow for Emotional Support. Welcome, Lindy. Oh, Gigi, you just make my heart sing
6: all the time. Not just sometimes, but all the time. And you are truly an angel to so many people that you will never, ever realize it. So thank you for spreading your wings and having me underneath it. I truly appreciate it. And all the speakers that were on, my God, you you have my heart. So very simple, everybody. Um, I'm just going to share my story with you. And what I want you to take away from this is a stronger mindset to understand that laughter truly is the positive mindset and also to be able to understand forgiveness. So with that being said, I am the author of a book. I don't know if you could see it or not, but it's called Squeeze My Tatas. You're only one mammogram away from knowing. So when I found out that I had the breast cancer, I did not know. Let me just share with you my quick story. My former husband and I, we were having our challenges, but neither one of us wanted a divorce, so we were separated. My mom at the time uh, lived in South Florida, where I was residing in New Hampshire. And I went down to really introduce my new company, which was Happiness Jungle, only to find out that I was going to become my mom's caretaker. When I became my mom's caretaker, I canceled over 21 speaking engagements that were throughout the country so I could take care of her. But there was one speaking engagement that was happening in September of 2017 that kept pulling me to go back to New Hampshire and speak at this conference, which was called Families in Transition. I didn't quite understand Why am I not able to cancel this one speaking engagement? So I decided I was going to go ahead and I was not going to cancel it. However, because New Hampshire was my hometown, I might as well go for my yearly checkup. Now, I did not feel anything. I felt great, stressed out, but great. So while I was in New Hampshire at the event, I found the answer of why I was there. I went for my yearly checkup only to find out that I had the breast cancer. And I do call it the breast cancer because none of us should ever own that. And when I went and they said, when was the last time you gave yourself a breast exam? And I said, well, it's funny you should ask because now that I feel like I'm kind of single, I'm always feeling my breast. And with that being said, They shared with me that, in fact, after doing an ultrasound and realizing the urgency of making sure that I knew that I had the breast cancer, they really fast-tracked it because they knew that I was going to get on a plane right after my conference the next day and leave to go back to South Florida, where, in fact, things changed. My former husband was in New Hampshire at the time. And we spoke that morning and he said, why don't we get together for dinner when you're done with your physical? I said, fair enough. And we did. Well, I sat there because my mind was paralyzed. I really couldn't believe that I was being told I had the breast cancer, but in fact, that was a fact. So I looked at him and I said, babe, do you want a divorce? He said, no. I said, me either. And I said, if there was ever a time to reconcile, it's now. I said, I'm gonna tell you something and I'm still not used to even hearing it. But I just found out that I had the breast cancer and he looked at me. Well, make a long story short, he abandoned me. But you know what? When the doctor looked at me and said, you need to remove all stress off your plate. And you need to stop eating so much sugar. Well, I took all of that to heart. And I realized that number one, because I've been working on myself for so long that I had to forgive my former husband for his weaknesses. I could not carry his burden on my shoulders. And I did. And I cried. And it was very emotional. But the one thing that I knew is that laughter was truly the best medicine. My biggest concern was really going and telling my daughter that I had the breast cancer and my grandchildren. Knowing that I was gonna go for a biopsy and that it was a three-day weekend, I said to my kids, I'm gonna go for that biopsy and we're not gonna find out anything. This was on a Friday until Tuesday morning. So I'm gonna ask you all to do me a favor. Don't ask a lot of questions because I don't have the answers. Let's make this a great weekend. And that's what we did. And um, we played, we sang, we danced, we hiked. We did all of those things because I knew that if I was to sit there and really concentrate on having to wait for the final answer, it would drive me crazy. I did not want to do that. So I released that and I gave myself permission to be okay with just knowing what I knew. And on Tuesday, when I heard, that was when it was finalized. Ladies, I also want us to realize that there are men that get breast cancer. And in my book, I was speaking at a convention And one of the other speakers was a man who was talking about his experience with breast cancer. And he wrote a chapter in my book because I want everybody to realize that they are not alone. They're not alone. Things were changing in my life. A lot of things. The one thing that the doctor said to me is, what do you want to do? Do you want to have a mastectomy, partial mastectomy, a lumpectomy? This was all foreign to me. So I looked at the doctor and I said, if I was your mother, your aunt, your sister, somebody who you loved so much, what would you tell them to do? And she looked at me, she said, a lumpectomy. I said, then that's what we're going to do. We're going to do a lumpectomy. If you trust your doctors, their voice matters. My doctor's voice really mattered more than anybody else's at that point, because that was the expert that I needed to listen to. And we fast-tracked it. I went back to Florida. I made sure my mom was taken care of, and I got back to New Hampshire within Three weeks to go ahead and take care of the breast cancer. Mindset is so powerful. You could go ahead and you could dwell in the news because it is a shocker. I'm not saying don't have emotions. I had emotions. But what I knew is that my positive mindset would get me through everything. So even during the radiation, I would bring every day something for somebody to smile with and I passed out things. And maybe it was a balloon, maybe it was a smiley face, maybe it was just something to give others that hope. And you know what that did for me? It made me feel that I was purposely full of the breast cancer And that I had it because I had to help other people through this trying time. That's what saved me. My mindset was to help other people get through it. And then I had to think, what was the purpose of the breast cancer? Because I believe in living life to the fullest. What is the purpose? Not why did it happen to me? I was the first woman in my whole family that was diagnosed with the breast cancer. What was the purpose? Well, one of the purposes was squeeze my tatas. So when I wrote this book, in the back of the book is a workbook to help you have clarity with your mind. When I was writing this book, I was also healing within. So we are going to find purposes of why we go through things. Why did I have to get a divorce through this trying time, three weeks into radiation? Why was I having to feel alone? Well, I think you could all appreciate this. We wanna be held at night. We wanna be told that we are going to be okay and we are going to be fine. Well, I didn't have that body next to me. So I created a body pillow. And I created a body pillow so I could feel hugged at night and it worked. So much so that when I was speaking on the stages about my experience, I didn't have a pillow to sell. I was just sharing that you can simulate something to replace something, and it can work. And everybody wanted this pillow. So I created the pillow. It took me a year to create it, but now I have comforted thousands of people around the world for all different reasons, all different medical reasons, emotional reasons. And it is called Cuddle Me Love. That was the purpose of the divorce. So then I turned around and I'm friends with my former husband because I just didn't want that to harbor on me. He has to live with that. And you know what? Happiness and success is truly the best revenge because my former husband, who is a friend of mine today, has to watch the success of his replacement. Ladies and gentlemen, because I hope that there are some men on here as well, realize that for everything we go through is purpose, but it's the mindset that's going to help us get through everything. It's going to help you heal. It's going to help you become powerful. And I am your whoopee. And if you need somebody to talk to, to listen to you, my phone number is 603 660 6010. And for you, I am available 24-7. All I ask is that if you call me in the middle of the night, you give me 30 seconds to sit up, open my eyes, and then you will have my complete attention. I pray for you. You've got this, baby. You have got this. And I appreciate being here to share my story. Thank you so much, Gigi. Again, for being the angel that spreads her wings so far that we all get to be underneath you. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Wobby. I appreciate you. And I also have a copy of Wobby's book here. I highly recommend it. Squeeze My Tatas, You're Only One Mammogram Away from Knowing. Very powerful book. Must read. And also myself and all of my family members, we have one of her support body pillows for emotional support here. It's a very, very powerful pillow. I actually had back pain and actually healed my back pain after I obtained the pillow. So I highly recommend it for sure. Thank you, Wobby. Now our next speaker is Cynthia Simmons. Cynthia Simmons is a remarkable individual whose life journey has transcended adversity. is a living testament to the power of resilience. In 2009, she was faced with not one, but four cancer diagnoses and prognosis. Of only six months to live, Cynthia defied the odds and emerged stronger than ever. Having conquered the greatest battles life could throw at her, Cynthia has since become an accomplished author, a sought after speaker, a compassionate life coach, and a successful entrepreneur. Welcome Cynthia.
7: Okay, now I'm unmuted. Can you hear me? Yes, ma'am. Okay, so first of all, I want to say to Wooby, she put her phone number out there. Um, I am a living testament that she put her phone number out there one night and she said call me anytime and I called her at uh, 1230 midnight and she answered the phone and that was 20 years ago and we've been friends ever since then. (laughs) <laughs> so it is true, she will answer her phone if you need a friend to talk to. She is an amazing person to talk to. She's held my hand through a lot of situations. So hello, my name is Cynthia Simmons. I am the author of two books: A Breast Cancer Notification, The Emotional Details Others Don't Tell You. And Purposely Unemployable, I Won't Fire Me with the Foreword written by Les Brown. And I will tell you that in in yesterday, actually, I celebrated a big day, October 10th of 2009, a doctor sat in front of me and looked me straight in the eye and said, it's not good. You have multi vital organ involvement with very poor prognosis, at best six months. And I looked at him and I smiled, I took his hands off my knees and I put my hands on his knees and I leaned in and I said, you do me a favor, you be the doctor and let God be the timekeeper. I could walk out of this office and get hit by a car. I said, you don't know why I'm here, when I'm leaving here, for what reason I will leave here. And I said, so please just stay in your lane. And that was October 10th of 2009. And as you just said, Gigi, yes, I am an author, a speaker. I, I like to call myself a life coach, but I'm not gonna help you with your finances and relationships. What I will help you with is your mentality. Everything that I do is based on NGUM, the never give up mentality, which actually I found out just a couple of days ago is an African word for power. And I love that because it truly is about never giving up. I have heard so many of the ladies speaking today, and there are some things that I would like to add on to. And first, let me tell you my story. In May of 2003, Four weeks after marrying, I went in to see my doctor, and this was not the first time I had seen him. I had been seeing him for a couple of years for my annual uh, exams, the women's exams. And at the age of 38, the first time I went in, I told him I had found a lump under my left armpit. Uh, while showering, and it was like a little pea-sized lump. And he said, well, you're only 38. You don't have a family history. Insurance won't pay for a mammogram. I'm sure it's residual from breastfeeding since I had had a child at 36 and breastfed for a year and a half. And so I accepted that. I worked for his group, and so I trusted him. So I went in the next year again for my annual exam, now 39. And I said, look, this lump is still here. And he said, Cynthia, I think you worry too much. I think you should just let it go. He said, you don't have a family history. It's probably some sort of, you know, um, uh, swollen lymph node or something. And again, I let it go. At the age of 40 at my annual exam, I went into him again and I said, you know, this lump, what used to feel like a pea it now feels like a marble. And so he laid his hand there and he was like, oh my goodness, we should get you over to the hospital this afternoon and let them do a mammogram and an ultrasound. Well, to make a long story, very short, two days later they called me to come into the office, that they wanted to speak with me. And I said, no, I'm fine, I'm a little sore, but I'm fine, I'm ready to go back to work. Can I get a doctor's note? And they said, no, we need for you to come in and please bring Jeff with you. And I knew something wasn't right, you know, and I thought, well, because I was really tired, I had been really like tired, exhausted. And I thought, oh, maybe maybe my iron levels are down. Uh, maybe I need to um, have an injection of something or you know get some iron infusions and so i i call my husband i say hey can you go with me and we go into the office and my doctor takes my chart throws it on the desk and says if you thought you had something why didn't you go get a second opinion because i trusted him and so he said now you have invasive uh, ductal carcinoma he said, "I've already scheduled for you to see a surgeon this afternoon." My husband stood up, and I thought he was going to punch him right in the face because for two years I kept saying, "I have this lump. I have this lump." But again, because I trusted him, and he was a doctor, and he gave me these good, you know, "Oh, it's residual from breastfeeding. Oh, it could be just a swollen lymph gland. Oh, oh, it could be this. Oh, it could be that." But never checking. And so I want to say to any woman who is out there that is listening, um, and we've heard this over and over again, right? From women, be your own best advocate. Be your own best advocate. You know your body better than anyone knows your body. And I also wanna say something today for everyone who's listening and everyone who is here that has ever battled any cancer. Saying the words, I have. And this is something that I speak about. It's I walk, talk, teach, and preach. As a man thinketh, so is he. We hear the Bible say, as a man thinketh, so is he. Mindset is the onset to all things you will ever achieve in this life. Saying the words, I have cancer, means you have just taken ownership of that. I have kids, I have a house, I have a car. Those are mine. Cancer is not mine, I do not take ownership of it. Saying I have diabetes, I have heart disease, I have, I have, I have. I even speak with doctors and I ask them, please do not say to a patient when they come in to see you, your results came back, you have cancer. Please say to them, the results came back, they were positive for malignancy, we are going to help you fight this use the resistance words. I am fighting cancer. I'm battling cancer. I'm going through cancer. Please do not take ownership of anything that you don't want ownership of. I, Cynthia, have battled cervical cancer, breast cancer, lagerhand cell histiocytosis, and skin cancer. And when that doctor sat in front of me on October 10th of 2009 and said to me, you have multivital organ involvement with a very poor prognosis, that day when I came home, I heard a whisper in my ear. Cynthia, everything that has life has purpose. You have a purpose. You are my messenger. Go tell the people they have a purpose. As a man thinketh, so is he. And so I started down this road to start telling my story to inspire others to never give up, which then started to create the NGUM, the never give up mentality. And I started the cancer biz because while I was going through my battles with cancer, I was fired from two jobs and i felt like i was no longer an asset to society i'd become a liability i was damaged goods i needed time off work i worked in the or at the hospital the very hospital that i had to then go into to have lung removed liver removed breast removed eye surgeries uh it had gone to the mastoid and temporal bone of my skull my hips my Here I am seeing the very people who fired me. Now I am going and allowing them to cut on me. And so I wrote a book purposely unemployable, I Won't Fire Me because I went on a journey to teach others about finding their purpose in life and knowing that you must live by a never give up mentality as a man think it, so is he. When the brain is talking, the body is listening. And we must be careful how we speak to ourselves. We will often hear people in a battle with cancer saying to their family, friends, coworkers, and, and people that they love, don't worry, I've got this. Don't worry, I'm gonna get through this. But that's not the problem. The problem comes at night when they lay down in a bed and the thoughts start to go through their mind. Oh my God, I have cancer. Oh my God, am I going to die? Oh my God, what's going to happen to me? What's going to happen to my kids? And that is the most important person in the world that you could ever talk to is yourself. And so changing our verbiage and using resistance words And I will say to you, I've heard this story now. And I heard CJ talk about it. I've heard Wubi talk about it. And people say, I was going through such a stressful time when the cancer came. If you look at the
5: word dis-ease.
7: Dis-ease. When you have dis-ease in your life stress becomes disease it is the number one killer you must rid yourself of stress how do i do that Find ways to deal with it, Um, remove people from your life that are not bringing you happiness and joy, that are not bringing you positivity. Every day when my feet hit the floor, the first thing I say out of my mouth, I look up and say, thank you, Lord, for giving me another day today to get right yesterday, whatever I failed to, to get right today, whatever I failed to get right yesterday. Every day is another opportunity in our lives to become something better, find your purpose. There is a reason why you're here. There is a talent, I have a personal quote, God-given talents or life purposes unveiled. God had a plan for my life. Everything that I've gone through has been tragedy to triumph, struggle to success. The test became the testimony. And so today I am so happy that I am 100% cancer free. And I know what my purpose is. And I am purposely unemployable. Because I won't fire me. Even though a job didn't see me as having a purpose. I did. And that's why Les Brown wrote the foreword because of his battle with prostate cancer and overcoming when they said to him it was terminal he knew better and so we must become purposely unemployable hire yourself know what your purpose is carry it out let your tragedies become your triumphs let your struggles become your successes and allow your test to be your testimony i will also tell you when I went through my battles with breast cancer, your story can save someone's life. I was diagnosed with breast cancer while I was going through my battles. I seen a friend in the store who was actually older than me. And I said to her, Doris, you need to go get your mammogram. No, I don't believe in those. I'm not doing that. We don't have a family history. And you know what? I stayed on her until she went and did it. And she was diagnosed with stage 2 invasive ductal carcinoma. And I sat by her side while she had her double mastectomy. And while she went through her chemo, had I not gone through what I went through, I would have never said those words to her. And to this day, she always says, had it not been for you and the battle of breast cancer you had, I wouldn't be here today. So please share your story with others and encourage them to always get that checked up because your story could be the one who saves someone else's life. My name is Cynthia Simmons, and I am so honored to be here, Gigi. Thank you for, for having me, sweetie.
0: Such an honor. Thank you, Cynthia. Very powerful talk there. And you received some comments in the chat here. So it says here from Nicolette, wow, Cynthia, my son was diagnosed with histiocytosis X as well. Sending you big hugs. And then Chandra says, this is so good. Bless you, Cynthia. Thank you, Cynthia. Now Thanks. our next you're welcome. Our next speaker is Vicki Martin. Vicki Martin has tattooing techniques. She's a qualified neuro-linguistic programming NLP practitioner, hypnotist and stand-up comedian. Vicky's VMM, Fine Art Nippling Method is equally about the artwork and mindset because she feels the inside is just as important as the outside. She wants everyone that uses the VMM skills to be in the best possible state of their minds so that she can give cancer survivors an amazing experience and help them face the next part of their journey with confidence and dignity. Welcome, Vicki.
8: Hey, thank you. Sorry, I didn't do my background. (laughs) There's always one person that doesn't do their background. So um, I actually really help or encourage people to look and feel unstoppable again. So I actually have done over 3,000, men and women's nipples after having breast cancer. I'm so privileged and blessed to have people come to me after they've been through everything that they've been through. And it's just so incredible that we truly celebrate that they've got to me. I get the best part. I get to put the medals from the war back on and it's so amazing. I mean, my story stems from I was in the corporate world for a while and then I decided to change and become a tattooist. And then I had a client who got breast cancer and she just said to me would I would I tattoo a nipple on her? And I I just didn't I did, I didn't feel like I could do her the justice that that she wanted, but she begged me and in the end I tattooed a nipple on her. And that was the day that completely changed my life because I had this feeling within me that was just so amazing that a woman could actually, or a man could look in the mirror again and actually really love what they see coming back. It's so empowering and it's just really beautiful. So from that moment on, I decided to create my own method, which is the Vicky Martin method. Um, I create ultra realism so for women that maybe or men that might want to have a nipple created at the end they don't need to because I create 3D art but as I've been doing this for uh, well over 15 years but also I have a background in mind reprogramming, um, hypnosis, uh, all of that side of how the brain works so what I do now is I help to heal I'd like to think that helped heal the inside as well as the outside. So for me, the artwork is easy. Creating outstanding nipples is something I've done for so long. I've tattooed nine nipples on my leg, for goodness sake. No one wants to go on holiday with me. Um, The artwork is amazing, but whilst I'm doing the artwork, I also like to encourage the mind to think differently. Um, I know I haven't walked the path that a lot of you have walked um, and I have to tread very carefully with the way that I speak because I understand that everybody's journey is different but I also understand that through extreme darkness and dirt and pressure deep down there's a diamond and that's what I like to try oh my goodness I'm getting emotional that's what I like to try to encourage us to discover when we're in the treatment room you know there's certain questions that I always ask for the mind to think differently um, because the mind obviously has to answer a question and a question I ask every one of my clients is what has been the best thing that's come out of having breast cancer and every day I'm blown away with the answers that I that I get. Um, You know, some people truly appreciate all the really small things and some people make massive life decisions. And that my aim of my method is to be able to just empower a little bit more to think differently about the whole situation, the same as everybody's been saying here today. It's it's incredible. The stories are amazing. The final thing that I like to do with my artwork is something called anchoring. And I'm sure a lot of you understand what anchoring is. But for listeners out there, we attach feelings to things that we hear, see, touch or smell. And what I like to do is when I've done the artwork on uh, a man or a woman, I won't let them look at the, in the mirror until we've done the anchoring so I always ask my clients what feeling do they want to attach to looking at their body again um, and most of the time it's health pride determination so we go back to a point in their life where they truly felt that they achieved um and and felt really really happy and we go back to that moment and with the with their eyes closed I take them back there and then when they open their eyes, they're revealed in the mirror and the two emotions are connected. So from then on, whenever they see themselves in the mirror, they remember what absolute unstoppable legend they are. And it's just so beautiful. So one thing I wanted to say before I go, it's actually... 297,790 humans in the US are due to get breast cancer in 2023. And the reason I'm here and I'm blessed that I've been allowed to speak is because I think the artwork and the mindset is just as important as everything else. And I think it's so empowering for people to take the power back. So I would, if at all possible, if anybody can share or spread the word of this method, then I would be truly, truly grateful. I teach globally. I'm in Dallas right now teaching the artwork and the mindset. And I think every woman and man deserves to feel as complete and as unstoppable as possible at the end of the journey. So thank you for having me. And uh, I think you're all amazing.
5: Thank you, Vicki. Very
0: powerful. And now our next speaker is Nicolette Walker Bauman. She's a certified integrative health and wellness coach, founder of Integrative Transformational Coaching, and she's a co-founder of Healthy Transformation Nation. Welcome, Nicolette.
9: Thank you so much, Gigi, for having me here. It's such an such an incredible honor to share this space with so many powerful women here this evening and to be able to share my heart on this topic. So back in January of 2009, I was lying in bed with my then fiance and I I remember just having an itch, I had an itch. So I was laying there like this, which is a perfect position. I I had a little itch there and I felt something. Now, six weeks previous, I had seen my gynecologist who had done an exam on me. And then I had done an exam on myself as well, a couple of weeks after, and this lump was going to change my world. And I had no idea how much it would change it. I went into the appointment with not knowing what it was, but wanting to get it figured out right away because I found it. And my doctor lovingly told me that if it looked a certain way, it was uh, uh, it was okay. And if not, then it was cancerous. And it looked the way that of I didn't want it to look and it was cancerous. And as women battling breast cancer, we shouldn't be defined by this diagnosis at all. We are so much more than that. We are powerful, strong and giving women And we've been taught that we have to be strong, this this warrior. For me, I was taking it a day at a time, but was still feeling like something had kind of got me, had its hooks in me. And I had to take the treatments and the decisions by my doctors as my way of going through this journey. And I was really in victim mode. But that changed when I started speaking up for myself and telling the doctors when I would do the treatments. And that was me setting boundaries and self-advocating. In the face of adversity like breast cancer, we often forget to protect our most valuable asset we have and that's ourselves. Breast cancer can bring overwhelming stress and challenges and it's crucial to establish emotional and physical boundaries. Boundaries that say, I am still in control of my life. The National Library of Medicine states that breast cancer is the most common type of cancer among females worldwide. And one in eight women will be diagnosed with the disease in their lifetime. Now that's pretty overwhelming, but studies show that breast cancer patients who establish boundaries, experience lower levels of anxiety and depressions. And as women, we have options that we can consider. We can look at cognitive behavioral therapy supportive expressive group therapy and yoga, and also putting boundaries up for what you will and will not allow in your life. This is the time to invest in yourself and let others give you the care that you so often give to others. Taking the time to incorporate these empowering options for yourself This sets a clear boundary that you are in control and you are thriving. That's right. Even though you are going through this, you are thriving. And I had to do this in my life with my then fiance and my children. I had to sit them down and say, this is about me right now. What I am going through, this is about me. And I need to take care of myself. And I need you guys to be on board. Taking that step led to many other steps that literally changed the course of my life. And it became even better than I could have ever imagined. Setting boundaries is only part of the journey. Self-advocacy is the key to not just surviving, but thriving. And breast cancer patients must be active participants in their healthcare journey. Asking questions, seeking second opinions, and demanding clarity are the cornerstones of self-advocacy. I had an incident when I was going through treatment. I was in my fourth round of treatment and I actually felt horrible and I had to come in the next day and get the shot, which I did, went into the doctor's office and died in the doctor's office. And they had to bring me back. And then I went to the hospital. It was in that moment When I was in that hospital bed and they wanted to come and get blood for me because I was literally getting infused once every three weeks. I did not have a port. I was stuck over and over and over again for over a year. So going in there, I was determined that I was going to take care of myself. Determined. No one's going to treat me any other way than I choose to be treated. And they kept trying to wake me up. And take blood from me. They even want to give me blood thinners and stick a needle in my stomach to get blood from me. I said, you're not touching me until my doctor comes in here. First thing in the morning, leave me alone and let me rest. These types of brave decisions have taught us me specifically, because I've seen other women do this as well, that being an advocate for your own health can lead to life-saving discoveries. And I'm not talking just physical, I'm talking about the power that we all embody and have within us. And amidst the dark clouds of the breast cancer diagnosis, there is a silver lining, there's inspiration, and it can be found in the most unexpected places. I mentioned my my then fiance, so what ended up happening? Well, that relationship ended because he kept threatening to leave me when I was going through cancer treatment. And a friend of mine that I'd worked with, he started taking me to every cancer appointment, breast cancer um, infusion appointment. Now I had infusions for over a year. And this man brought me to every appointment. How I was feeling about my, how I looked and I felt terrible, but my friend took me out once a month because that was all I could do. I could only go out of the house once a month. And he would take me out And just spend a little time with me so I could feel like a person, not a sickness. My relationship with my body has changed. I used to consider it as a servant who should obey, function, give pleasure. In sickness, you realize that you are not the boss. It's the other way around. That's when I really, really decided that things needed to change in my life inspiration definitely is a fuel that propelled me forward in turning these hurdles into stepping stones. And I'm, I'm grateful for the daily affirmations in my life that I, I use and I not only say them, but I apply them. And that has changed, made a huge change in my perspective and shifting my perspective. I'm not gonna get into all of the side effects, but I had quite a few side effects and one of them was memory loss. I have lost a lot of memories of my children that I will never get back. They're in there, but I don't have the recall of them. Thankfully, I have photos and I have them to remind them, but still, I've lost a lot of my memories. You're not alone in this battle like Chandra had so beautifully, beautifully said. There are numerous ways to manage and mitigate these side effects and staying hydrated is priority. You guys have probably seen me. I've been drinking water, eating a whole nutrient dense lifestyle, food lifestyle, making sure you get enough sleep. This is essential in aiding the healing process and spend time with people who love and support you because you need it. We're in a battle when we're going through this. I was a victim of my circumstances, I put myself in the position that I was in, but then I made the decision, no more. I don't have a relationship with breast cancer. It does not own me. Today, I am a victor. I am totally victorious. I took control of my health and that's why I became a certified health coach and I started Healthy Transformation Nation. A lot of my life, I was sick and I treated my body so terribly. I didn't have boundaries with myself. I didn't advocate for myself with myself. I treated myself terribly, but then it changed. I became that Victor. I owned who I was. I took responsibility for that. And that's the reason why I created the five pillars of wellness. Intentional breathing, so important. Hydration, nutrition, intentional movement, and growth mindset. Today, I embrace new opportunities and I discover passions that I had not known that were there because I was so wrapped up in being the victim. But being a victor, you can see things with a clear lens and a different lens and a shift in perspective. Breast cancer is not just a medical condition. It's a test of resilience and strength. It's a reminder of the extraordinary capabilities that we possess when we set boundaries, advocate for our health, find inspiration in adversity and embrace the journey of thriving beyond cancer. The message is clear, respect the boundaries of ourselves and others, embrace self-advocacy and be a source of inspiration and cherish your journey, not just the breast cancer journey, but your life journey. What will you do for yourself daily to take exquisite care of you? What does your daily lifestyle look like? When was the last time you took a day just to take care of you? Now is the greatest time to invest in yourself. You are your greatest asset on this planet. Give yourself the gift of wellness. Together, let's create a world where female breast cancer patients are empowered to survive. No more, but thrive when there's where their stories inspire us to become better versions of ourselves. I am so grateful for this opportunity to share a little bit of my journey. I would love for you to connect with me on HTN It's HTN, the letter four and the number four and the letter u.com. And my podcast is the wellness champion podcast. You can find me on social under Nicolette Walker Bowman. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again so much for this opportunity to share my heart about my journey and my mission today. Gigi, thank you so much.
0: You're welcome. And and thank you. Such a powerful talk. And thank, thank you for being transparent. We appreciate you. And now our next speaker is Jacqueline. And Jacqueline is a breast cancer survivor and mental health advocate. Inspired by a life journey of resilience, Jacqueline is actively working on overcoming trauma. She's a breast cancer survivor and advocates for transformative lifestyle changes. She believes in the power of self awareness, holistic healing, and building a supportive community that will help share their unique knowledge in hopes it resonates with many. As she shares her story, she hopes to bridge the gap between mental and physical well being. She encourages others to embrace their own unique paths to healing by connecting the mind, body and spirit. Her message is clear. You know yourself best. What is right for you is deep down what will help you heal. And with the right mindset and the right team, you can overcome any obstacle life. Yeah. Welcome, Jacqueline. <laughs>
10: Thank you so much, Gigi. I really appreciate it. And everyone else here, it's kind of funny because as I bring out my journey, you're going to see that I love to connect dots and I love to learn, whether it's uh, healthcare professionals, coaches, uh, survivors, their family, taking these little pieces and like seeing how you collaborate with it. So, seeing the patterns of we've got a very positive, uplifting crowd here and mindset is truly everything. it's no surprise because Gigi you you've got that spirit to pull people together too which is cool (laughs) but anyways (laughs) Um, anyways my name is Jacqueline um I like she's Gigi had mentioned I am a big advocate from trauma to disease and the lifestyle in between Essentially, my story is I was diagnosed with DCIS or stage zero breast cancer at the age of 31. I had no idea that was even a stage. And at the same time, I was diagnosed with a genetic mutation called Lynch syndrome. So for anyone who's not familiar, my highest risk technically is colon cancer, along with endometrial, ovarian, brain, lung, all of them. Um, Breast cancer, when I did my genetic testing, was a separate box. It wasn't even a part of the genetic mutation itself. So I always like to joke and I love that we have a humorous crowd because I'd be pulling off my bra and putting back on my, uh, my Halloween t-shirt for breast cancer awareness month. (laughs) But I always say, "Whoa, somebody won the lottery. Cause I, I I didn't want just one cancer. I guess my body was like, you get multiple, (laughs) but anyways, um, the reason I had actually found out was my aunt, she was uh, she had this genetic or sorry, she had an episode with endometrial cancer and um, she had a scare an episode and she was kind enough to tell our family and that made me get tested for both of them. Um, So not only being high risk for about 12 different cancers, I learned that even though my journey with breast cancer is complete, I went ahead and I did the double mastectomy with reconstruction. and I, when I say complete, keep in mind that I think we can all agree that the cancer journey also begins after diagnosis. It's how you're shifting your life afterwards. Yes. What are you doing to implement the change? How are you showing up? Um, so yeah, that was a uh, prevention became my middle name. The reason I had brought in mental health was I was not only diagnosed with a uh, the Lynch syndrome and breast cancer, but I also have CPTSD. So complex post-traumatic stress disorder, as well as an anxiety disorder. And as I went through these lifestyle changes, like my relationship ending or all these other changes with cancer, or even prior to trauma from a kid, I started going and jumping into the mental health realm as well. And that is where my huge passion comes for mental health and mindset to keep you pushing forward. It builds a base of how you show up and how you continue to go on. So as I went into the mental health realm, I started picking up little bridges of not only coming into my body, learning my body, where my body holds things (laughs) like stress, in my shoulders, in my back, how am I breathing, Uh, um, as well as it started showing up the research. and, And when we take this research, like I said, connect the dots, where is this gonna land? Fast forward, I started, um, I got introduced to a local nonprofit. It's called breast cancer Hawaii. And I started working with breast cancer Hawaii. And the funny thing about this was I was put on a cancer research project. Now talking about mindset, my mindset with cancer research was why would I go on a research when I feel like I would just be a Guinea pig? And the cancer research is actually called Project Protea. It's for multiple cancer types, not just breast cancer. So keeping that in mind, my Lynch syndrome definitely played a fact, but I had to look at my mindset and say, okay, cancer research, why am I getting put on this? And what I later learned was as I was going through the mental health realm and going through the cancer realm, lifestyle was a bridge. Mindset was a bridge. And then I started talking to multiple survivors and I was like, we are on to something and science is showing it. <laughs> so um, I'll, as I go through this journey and I started working with Breast Cancer Hawaii, I realized that there was a really, really big importance and connection with how you show up advocating for yourself and how that can actually scientifically help. Um, others with their healing journey. So let's see, I'm just trying to to keep, keep my brain here going. Um, Things like your diet and lifestyle, there has been tons of research based around meditation um, as well, as well as so many other things. And through my own journey, when I was a patient, I had to advocate and essentially look for this research. And I was like, what resonated with me? And I think this is the most important key because I feel like a lot of people will resonate. You know your body and you know what is best for your body. You need to feel that. You need to honor that. You need to go with that. No one can tell you otherwise. My journey started leading me to a holistic um, outlook and pulling what is the root cause of everything. Um, But your journey could be totally different. And that is right. That is 100% right. So no matter what, coming back into your body, learning your body, you're going to now go into the system a little better. And I bring up the system for the fact that this is actually how it works. Sometimes doctors are double booked and they only have 15 minutes with you. So how do you learn your body so you can show up to work really well with your doctors to get those answers in a short amount of time? So as I'm looking at all these diet, exercise, lifestyle changes, I was like, how do we start implementing in this, in a... After or during our diagnosis, where does that show up? Are there tests I can ask for? Uh, A lot of people, and I didn't even know that there was, you know, two things. There's epigenetics. So things like how your body reads your DNA through lifestyle changes. Where does that morph from your body? And then also things like, can I ask for tests for blood work, knowing that there are tests that instead of doing just a, of course you want to do a mammogram, but maybe you can start pulling different things from blood work to see if things like ovarian cancer or whatever cancer show up earlier. So the name of the game became prevention. And how do we start getting people excited and less scared about the word cancer and start getting their mindset, shi- their mindset shifting <laughs> for the better? Um, and then with that, how your body, like I said, how it signals shows up, maybe some of your mindsets came from childhood. And if so, I always said that therapy was the baseline to how I showed up in life. If it was not for me going through therapists and learning myself, I couldn't have gone into the system. And a lot of times when you're hearing the diagnosis of cancer, it can be very scary. So if you're setting yourself up preventatively beforehand, then that's gonna have the proper tools and the proper team to be able to help you moving forward. So if you, I wanna come at this because I know we've talked about different books, different angles. If you are a professional, there's a big thank you to what you do, knowing how everything's set up. And Project Protea started saying, hey, maybe as we start pulling these clinical trials, we can start collaborating ideas Because the importance of building your community can be very healing within itself as well. So working with the doctors, the survivors, the communities, those who are helping is very, very key and learning from one another and and seeing what modalities helped them heal is also going to be a powerhouse on how it can help so many others heal as well. So if anyone's interested, I would just like to leave it with that. Um, I would love to hear from you. My Instagram is Jacqueline Driesick. I will be showing the journey of how my lifestyle is, you know, going to be shown, the struggles, the uplifts, but more using positive, starting to collaborate with different um, professionals to bring different modality, modalities to help other patients. But not only that, if you want to go into a bigger realm as well, Let me know to collaborate as well, because we want to learn with you. We want to grow with you as as far as foundations go and get these stories out there. And a big thank you to you, Gigi, because you are the epitome. You've been doing this. So seriously, like you're already doing what I'm preaching. Thank you for that. And thank you, everyone, for sharing your story, too, because I like I said, I understand the struggle, but not to your level. So it's very it's a very beautiful opportunity for me to learn and grow with you. Yeah. Thank you, I hope you guys enjoy.
0: (laughs) Thank you, Jacqueline, very powerful. Now our next speaker is Michelle Cox. She's an entrepreneur, tech influencer, computer IT instructor, and she's a children's book author, songwriter. Welcome, Michelle.
11: Hi everybody, Gigi, thank you so much for allowing me to be on the platform. Every speaker that's here, you guys have been dynamic. And thank you so much for sharing because I've learned even more things and I'm a researcher. Now, my story, I can't say it's different, but our own journey is. The first thing I wanna talk about before I get into my story is advocacy. Because one thing I found out is, especially among women, a lot of times doctors don't listen to us. They are not hearing our voices. So I remember I was on my way to North Carolina for a conference to teach. And I got the call from my doctor and after going through all the HIPAA stuff, he said to me, I regret to inform you. I was in so much shock at that time. I didn't ask him the size nor the grade. I just politely said, thank you. And I'll see you in the office when I get back next week. I called my partner and I was like, they said, you know, we regret we regret to inform you that it's breast cancer. And they're like, you're lying. I'm, you know, we got to talk about it when you get home. And I'm like, okay. But I was basically just riding in shock. When it picked up my colleague from the airport, we went on to the conference. That night, I did not sleep at all. My mind was just going a million miles a minute about, you know, what he told me, everything that was going on. Then after the conference got home, I started doing research. I did 40 hours of research on breast cancer. I found out there are 40 different types of breast cancer and that depending on the type will depend on what type of treatment that you'll get. And then I started looking at the medications for breast cancer. What is there? What can I ask for? So I went to see the oncologist after that, uh, after I went to the surgeon, went to see the oncologist and they were like, well, the doctor says this, this and this, and we're going to do the biopsy. This is the biopsy. We get through, I have bilateral mastectomy because for me, I could have opted from the the ubectomy but I didn't wanna have a chance of the, the breast cancer returning. Now my breast cancer is estrogen receptive. The one thing about estrogen receptive breast cancers for a lot of women, they're slow growing. Mine was infiltrating ductal carcinoma, grade two, stage two. Well, that's some information I knew, but it wasn't enough information to give me the information I needed to ask the questions. And that's why I talk about advocacy. So I went and looked that up and I'm like, okay, it could be in situ or it could be ductile. And so mine's was ductile. But when I felt my lump and I did discover my own, I had had a, a scare back in 1988 as a younger woman. And so the doctor didn't believe me. They were like, I was like, this thing was the size of, of a little, literally a little stone. And she's like, you're too young. You're too young. I was like, no, I don't have it in my family, but I don't know because our family, we don't share medical history a lot of the time, especially with our extended family, grandma, grandpa, those kind of things in my community. And so I go on and what happens is Everything gets turned around, so I'm like, okay, it's not serious, da da da. da. But this thing starts just growing. It's growing. It's growing. It's growing fast. And I go back, and they end up taking out what it is at in 1988, a benign cyst, 27 benign cysts to be exact. And so when I felt the lump this time in the, in the opposite breast, because that was in my left, this one is my my the cancer was in the right, and I was like. I'm feeling it and I'm like, I'm kind of ignoring it. And I'm like, maybe it's like the one in 88 and this is just, you know, this little fatty tissue because my, my breasts are dense. I used to be an athlete, I played ball, all kinds of stuff. And so it starts growing, but it starts growing like, so I go to my doctor, I said, you know, let's take a look. And then she schedules me for the mammogram. Now, here's the deal, the year before, My mother dies. She dies on my brother's birthday. And so I'm, you know, taking care of older parents and all these other things. And I'm like, I'm going to be okay. So I go in, do the mammogram. Now, where I get the mammogram is a women's video. I love sisters that are doctors because a lot of times they're going to give us a lot more care. Well, I happened to know one of the sisters that was a tech, and I was asking her, I said, you know, what do you think? She said, well, you know, I really can't discuss it. I can't tell you because the radiologist has to read it. But if I were you, I would go back to the doctor and I would ask to see the surgeon. And I did. I went back to my doctor's office and I was like, let's go ahead and schedule with the surgeon. Let's go ahead and um, get this biopsy done. Because I listened, we were able to get on top of this thing. So I go back to the doctor. And then the other part of this is they, I went to visit the oncologist. They wanted to give me chemo without knowing the exact type of breast cancer I had. Now, I want everybody to remember this word, oncotype. DX. That is a test that you can get to pinpoint the type of breast cancer that you have. Because when I got the pathology back from the biopsy, I read it because I told you I did about 40 hours of research. The biopsy and the pathology came back that the test was inconclusive. And I'm like, Am I losing my mind? I I know I'm all over the place because of the diagnosis. So I go back to my internist and said, I need you to read this with me. And she's a black sister. And having a woman doctor, a woman that listens is very vital for me as a black woman. So Dr. Brown reads this and she's like, it says this is inconclusive. And I was like, so I went back to the oncologist and I was like, no, I'm not getting the port. I'm not doing anything. I want this Oncotype DX test. I looked it up and he said, "Well, I don't know if the insurance is going to pay for it. I said, I really don't care. I'm not going any further in my steps until we get this test done. So about six weeks, six weeks rolls by. Instead of having the triple positive that was on the pathology report, this was an estrogen receptive cancer. That's a totally different realm of cancer. Now, the other thing was, they were doing a clinical trial on women that had estrogen-receptive cancers. Guess what they found? Chemo does not work for 75% of the women that have estrogen-receptive cancers. That means I would have taken traditional chemotherapy and it really would not have helped me. Now, I did the study. I, I got the study from the CDC and the NIH. I took it back to my doctor I took it back to the oncologist and I said, you need to read this because my oncologist told me without chemotherapy, she would give me five years. And I told her, I said, it's not what you can give me. It's what God's gonna give me. And I'll take those five years, but I'm not doing chemotherapy. So here I am, seven years later, as of November the 11th, that's my seventh year on this journey of being in remission. I'm not saying my journey is right for everybody, but I'm saying to you that advocacy, saying no when you trust yourself is the best option that we have in this fight. The other thing I wanna tell you is do your research, make them do the all, all the tests. One of the other speakers, and she so, so pointedly said it, she wanted, her husband wanted to punch the doctor in the knot because he was saying you should have got a second opinion. Well, I'm telling every woman here today, get a second opinion. Go to someone that you can trust. Talk to some of the survivors here. Ask questions because that is going to help you in this journey. That is going to help you get over. Now, the other part of it is and this part is advocating for your emotional health i had asked my partner not to tell the kids and everybody else and i didn't tell my brothers and sisters i had two prayer warriors to pray with me my best friends we've been best friends since we were 9 months old and my other sister friend we've been best friends since we were 3 years old and i was like this is what i'm going through and this is what and i just like just don't share it because I didn't want to have the emotional baggage of having to handle.
5: Michelle, it appears there
0: seems to be a technical glitch here. We can no longer hear you.
11: Can you hear me now?
0: Yes, ma'am. Please continue.
11: Okay. And I don't know how long I was going on, so apologize here. But I was telling everybody that I didn't want to take the emotional baggage of having to handle everybody else's emotion around my diagnosis. And I know that might not have been fair to my partner at the time, but in the interim, as a person that's going on this journey, you need to be able to take care of yourself. And sometimes you have to ask people to respect your boundaries and know that that's okay. It's okay to say no. It's okay to take care of you on this emotional journey. Now, the last part of it is, I know that I've been through not only breast cancer, I had thyroid, they thought I had thyroid cancer. I have sarcoidosis and I had sarcoidosis. I've been living with that for 13 years. And then the breast cancer. For me, I know it was God's way of getting my attention, because I have a purpose. And having the breast cancer got me into my purpose, and that was writing books for children. My first book I wrote was Mommy Is a Computer Smarter Than Me, and I have a brand new book. Well, it's not a brand new book now, but it's an ebook called Mommy Was an Entrepreneur. I write STEM-inspired books based on true people and true facts. Now. I wanna take this time to dedicate my talk to Karen Kinsey. She's a sister friend that I walked through her cancer journey with her and she's gone on to glory. I'm telling each and every one of you today, as you listen to all these wonderful speakers, take the time to number one, do your self examinations. If you don't know how, ask. Number two, trust your instincts. If you think something's wrong, don't deny what's there. Number three, trust God. Because when I was at home and kind of going crazy after surgery, with all those, am I going to live? Am I going to die? God stepped in and says, I got you. And the books literally started writing themselves. So on this journey, make sure you take care of you. Make sure that you know that God loves you. And I want to take this time and make sure that everybody's aware that as we go through these journeys and we share our stories, we're healing somebody's life. I thank you so much, Gigi. I thank you to all the esteemed speakers and everybody have a wonderful October. And remember, stay safe.
0: Thank you, Michelle, very powerful. And now we will have closing remarks from our co-host Ragni before I also give a closing remarks. Ragna Sinekos, she's the founder of World Woman Conference and Awards, that's WWCA. She's the Woman Entrepreneur's TV and Changemakers Coach, and she's a public speaker. Welcome, our co-host, Ragna Sinekos.
1: Well, first of all, wow, I am so, so incredibly thankful for every single person uh, that stepped up today because your story really has the power to change someone else's not just life, but uh, but the future that uh, that they hold. And I think that the the, the true name of the game is is uh, the knowledge, the education, and the part that um, sometimes we take things, um, really easily, um, What would be the best words to describe. As I as I heard today, I was just 31, and uh, this doesn't—it shouldn't apply to me. So we are so so in the in the in the boxes that uh, the the disease should come in that stage, or we should start to uh, uh, do the prevention checkups on this. The life has changed. Our pace of the life is so fast. And the stress has grown with that so much that the, the ages or the the let's say that the disease do not have ages. Traditionally, there it doesn't exist anymore. So just last week, I had I had the, the honor to meet with with my friend, which uh, has gone through the third time as well the breast cancer and uh, and it went to her uh, lymphing system, then it went to the to her lungs. And I just, I just asked, how did you do that? And she said, I want to live. What other choice do I have? And sometimes we think that the mindset is so. Everybody talks about it, and it's, it should be just uh, so easy to to take the 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 I don't know the pill in the morning and uh, be like all bumped up that, yes, I can do this, I can do this. But it's also so exhausting because everybody, everybody really expects from you that you need to fight and you need to be strong. And then you need to do that, all of this in front of everybody. But when you go to bed, you're exhausted because you need to have the space in front of everybody that you can do it. And this, in the end of the day, you can do it, but also have those vulnerable moments that you say that, you know what, today I wanna be in my bed, don't want to go out i will take the rest and i don't need to show up my face so just uh listen to your body like every single person has has been uh, pointing out but taking it further on i think the the same way as we we are bringing those stories today in front of uh eyeballs uh maybe you have never been involved with anyone that has had a cancer or breast cancer but you just uh, happen to listen to this please share because you don't know who in your community might be battling with uh, with all those questions whether they themselves have a cancer whether uh, their their loved one have one because you pick up and today's stories, if you really, really took notes, there's so many things that you already learned that you can use if you will ever happen to be in the situation where they, they make this call that you need to come to the office. So uh, I think that the education is very crucial. The, the awareness part, very, very crucial. And I don't know why we always wait until we are in the situation where we start to do the research, because we think before maybe that it doesn't apply to us, or I don't think I, I never have had anyone in my family, so I don't think that the, it will ever apply to us. But I think it would should be really, really part of our educational system that we talk about those things, like what are the preventions? why why we should always pay attention to our body. We don't talk about it. In school, do you remember? Nobody talks about it. And I I was totally uh, in shock two years ago when I went to do my first mammogram. And then uh, then when the email comes and says, well, you have three tumors, but don't worry, everything is okay. What? You don't even call me? You send me? You have three tumors, but don't worry. Those two things do not go together, right? So you start to do the Mr. Google or, or Dr. Google, and then you come up with uh, all those ideas. Then when you finally get to the doctor's office, you're so pumped up that you don't know where to start. And then then she's like, um, well, you have the calcifications, and this comes usually, do you drink a lot of coffee? I'm like, yeah. Well, you shouldn't drink coffee, you shouldn't eat chocolate, you shouldn't eat almonds, you shouldn't eat quinoa, you shouldn't, I'm like, this is all my diet, and I thought those things are healthy, and we don't know, we don't have the awareness that too much of something can actually create those things like calcifications. I'm like, oh, shoot, In my back in my, my, my corporate life, I think I, I had like two liters of coffee per day, not water, but coffee, <laughs> because I was just on the clock and I, I, I just could not uh, have time to even go and eat correctly, no? So, um, and last week, a great tip to every single woman or man who you are listening to go have a 3D ultrasound much better less invasive than any mammogram anything and the detection much with a much higher rate because if your breast happen to be very tense then uh, then the 2d ultrasound doesn't do the work again something which should be out there and when we talk about the, the breast cancer awareness like Let's start to have all all those tools which are available. Let's start to talk about more of those tools rather than just, yeah, we should do the prevention, but what are the things really be particular? Okay. Let's do the campaign on 3d prevention, 3d uh, ultrasound prevention rather than going to the mammograph, which, which by itself is so painful and, uh, and not, not very good for our our um, for our health. So uh, so I, I, I this topic really gets me emotional, and I would go on and on and on. But um, but to conclude is that uh, when it comes to our health, there is no age. There is no too soon, too late. So the, the awareness and talking about and sharing like we did day, day today is absolutely uh, crucial. And those stories which have now put even in, in, uh, in versions of books uh, and the ladies that have been going around uh, spreading the words, you are my heroes or heroes, because this is, this is exactly what needs to be done. And not only in front of uh, cameras, but every day. Every day, someone might need to hear about your story and about how did you conquer it? And it might serve absolutely amazing. So Gigi, I want to thank you again. You are doing an amazing job, as as always, by, by spreading the words, by really spreading the awareness. And every single speaker that you showed up today, thank you, because you didn't show up just for yourself today. You showed up. For all the women who had no clue, and for all the women that are in the situation like yours, and for all the women that have, maybe they're not with us anymore, but they gave them their, their best. So um, I want to thank you, everybody, and God bless you. Thank you, Ragni.
0: Very powerful. And now God has put it on my heart to ask this question to our speakers here as well. So this question is for you. We're going to go around the room. It's what message do you have for someone who was just diagnosed with breast cancer and is scared or afraid? I'm gonna go around the room before I give closing remarks. We'll start off with Jacqueline.
10: Uh, You know yourself and you know what's best. So listen to yourself, honor yourself, do the research, find the people that's your community and push forward and you've got this stay positive add a little fun because one thing we've learned is a lot of people um, can lose that I've even experienced it myself so be you show up show authentic advocate you've got this
0: thank you Jacqueline Nicolette
5: Thank you so much, Gigi. It would be to live life
9: completely from the heart always to the fullest of your ability and to not give your authority or power away to anything or anyone because you know you, just like Jacqueline said, you know you better than anybody else and trust your Gut.
0: Thank you, Nicolette.
9: Whoopi?
5: From my
6: heart, don't let your mind go ahead of what you know. Don't try to self-diagnose yourself. Love yourself. Believe in yourself. And if you could find it, laugh
5: laugh. Be okay. And I'm here for you. Thanks, Gigi.
2: Welcome, Wobby. Erin? Mine would also be laughter, if you can find some sort of it's hard humor in all of this. Um, but it's okay to laugh when you're going through this. Um, it's okay to feel whatever. But uh, I have just some people look at me and they're like, how can you laugh or, or make fun of night? Make, you know, make light of, and it's like, that's, what's keeping me going. Like, you know, and, and so I, I, whatever keeps you going, do it. Whatever's best, whatever you feel your treatment or your, um, you know, prognosis or whatever it is, does not matter what anyone else says. It's your choice. You do what's right for you. Uh, my, decision, maybe some, you know, different from someone else who has the same exact type of breast cancer, but we're all different. And so just, um, knowing it's going to be okay, that it will be okay. And having someone you can trust like a nurse advocate or a, um, someone that can kind of guide you. That's, that was my big thing. And so I know what, no idea what to do. And she, she made the appointments for me. She got they usually, they'll have one if you ask and they kind of just, you know, guide you. And that really, really helped me in the beginning when I felt completely scrambled is, is getting someone to help you, show you where, where to go and then you make your own decisions. So that would be my, my, my suggestions.
0: Thank you, Erin. Ragni? Don't lose
5: faith.
1: Faith is something that uh, truly will <laughs> will drag us from from through everything. So uh, as soon as as soon as uh, you understand that uh, that there is higher power, that uh, there is always the way, and um, and trust your gut feeling because again, you all see there is always one elements which are the same for every success story. And I, I, I refer to success story by referring that what came through mindset, 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 very hard to understand when, especially when you need to change one, what does it mean? I have a mindset. So, uh, so, and the second, I think that uh, a lot of people do not understand the the correlation with the mindset and uh, doing physical activities? How can you change really your hormones, your mood in just putting uh, on the the shoes and going out for a walk? So uh, just keep yourself going, physically going, and uh, the rest is so much easier because whenever you just, uh, you need to change the frequency. You need to be in a high frequency if you want to really, really, really fight for this, so uh, that's the key. And when when you do that, everything is possible.
0: Thank you, Ragni. And I'm going to repeat the question just in case anyone here has forgot, we're going around the room. The question is, what message do you have for someone who was just diagnosed with breast cancer and is scared or afraid? And I know, Chandra, you, you may have stepped aside uh, for a bit. Chandra, are you with us? Take it away. If not, that's fine, we can move to Cynthia.
7: Thank you, Gigi, and thank you, Ragni, too, um, for this um, event that we've had today. I will say that one of the things that hit me hardest was I was not aware of the process. Even though I had worked in the medical field, it was totally different being on the other side of the counter. And um, I made many mistakes, and nobody told me. And so you must be your own best advocate. And just like Michelle was saying, do your research. Um, After my mastectomy, I couldn't have um, implants because I had the radiation treatment first. And so the tissue was burnt. And so radiation damaged the tissue that I was not able to have any sort of, um reconstructive surgery done they tried but it then just split the tissue open, and, and it was unsuccessful and so make sure that you do your research become your own best advocate and i will say to anyone that gets the diagnosis please do not ever say the words i have please do not say to family i have cancer i have i have i have do not take ownership use resistance words i am battling i'm fighting i'm going through live by a never give up mentality and i have a personal quote god-given talents or life purposes unveiled and when you are going through something let me tell you this tragedy will be turned to triumph the struggle will be turned to success and your test will become your testimony don't think of it as a cancer test Think of it as a life test, and you are not a cancer survivor, you are a life survivor, my friend. I'm bad. Thank, Thank you, Cynthia. Vicky
8: So every day I come across women and men all the time. And the advice I would give would be: always keep believing in miracles and your unlimited power that you have within if you just truly believe. So many stories i hear that people have been told things by doctors and nurses and it's so empowering to see men and women actually prove everybody wrong so just keep believing in miracles and anything is possible
0: thank you vicky cj
4: Well, there's so many things I would say. Um, If you're going through serious illness, you will be besieged with unsolicited advice. You don't have to listen to it. Some of it you might agree with it, some of it you won't. And there's no one size fits all answer to cancer. It's gotta be something that feels right in your gut. You may disagree with your doctor. You may not like what the doctor is doing. Find another doctor you don't have to be with a doctor that you don't agree with. And just go with your gut because your body knows what it wants. It really does. Another thing is that sometimes you'll find that people will push you in this tyranny of positive thinking. It's great to be positive, but don't ever feel bad about feeling bad. Because when you're going through this, you will feel bad at times. And yes, When you're over it you'll see the positive things and you won't necessarily regret having gone through it because you will have learned and it's been a catalyst for something better but at the time you definitely will be feeling like crap and you should never be chastised for that and and i certainly came across people who tried to do that with me and so yeah that that is one of the the things that i would would say but information is power do your research and you will find the solution that works for you because the most important thing is there is always hope. Cancer does not have to be a death sentence. We are testaments to that. It is, there's always hope and there's always a way through. So that's what I would say. And thank you, Gigi, for putting this on because I think this is so valuable for all the millions of people who are going through the same things that we've gone through. Welcome. Michelle?
11: Well, as everyone has said, the first thing is making sure that you're taking care of yourself. The other one is know that God doesn't test us. This, whatever this is going on, usually it's to give you a perspective. Find someone that you can trust, to lean on, and know the power of no. That's going to not only help you get through this, but it's going to help you push on forward. Love you, because don't get into the mindset of you deserved it or any of that. It's just a life recurrence. And like this, and like falling down off the slide, you can push through this as well. Gigi, thank you.
0: Welcome. And wow. This was absolutely amazing. We heard from amazing speakers from all over the world today. Thank you to all of our speakers and thank you to our sponsors. Thank you, Ragni. And thank you, WWCA as well. That's Ragna Seneca's company. Thank you, thank you for the sponsorship. We truly appreciate you. And thank you to all of our other sponsors as well. And thank you all for being with us today. And, and wow, again, one of the messages that, that we heard today was you are not alone. If, if you're going through breast cancer right now at this moment, I want you to pause for a moment and remember that you are not alone. We stand with you. Your community stands with you. You're supported. You're not alone. And also, we heard the importance of mindset from each and every one of our speakers here tonight. Mindset. If you have a negative mindset, shift your mindset from a negative mindset to a positive mindset. And remember again that you're supported by your community. You're not alone. And we stand with you and never give up. And how do we know this? Because each and every one of the speakers who spoke here tonight, who have been, who have had breast cancer, have said they did not give up and they shifted their mindset. Very powerful. And so they're walking, talking testimony that all things are possible and that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I truly believe. And also we heard lastly here, keep the faith. Keep the faith. And I'll say it again, keep the faith. Very powerful. Now we're going to end with a prayer today. Everyone, please close your eyes, bow your heads. Father God, I ask you to continue to watch over everyone in the room tonight and everyone else in this world, Father. And if someone is going through breast cancer at this moment, we ask that Father, you hold their hand and you go through this with them, as we know you will. And we ask that you continue to watch over everyone. Amen. God bless you all. Thank you and be
5: safe. God bless.